0: Hey guys, welcome to the Spruce Home Show, your no BS podcast that tackles what it looks like to design, build, and renovate. We're your hosts, Brad and Caitlin Blair. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, howdy. How we doing? Um, winter's still here. Winter's still very much here. It's March, what, 8th? And yeah, there's a lot of snow left to melt or a lot of snow to melt period. I guess it hasn't really started. I was hopeful that the back end of March, we'd start seeing some nice warmer than normal temperatures. But as man, as I'm looking into that forecast, things look all over the map. Even this morning was pretty cold when I got up. And then about mid-morning, it was actually really nice outside. You could almost feel, you could feel some of the snow like melting underneath your feet. And then now it's, well, it's two o'clock in the afternoon when I'm recording this. And now it's getting windy and the cold's rolling in again. And Man, you look at the forecast and you get two nice days followed by two crappy days. And I'm sure because of the turbulence, March is going to be windier than most (laughs) if I'm a betting man. So... Anyway, that's where we are. So I'm hopeful that April is super nice, but time will tell. Uh, That being said, people who are building outside of the city on acreages and whatnot, if you're building and you're trying to start in the springtime, now is the time. You definitely want to uh, beat those road bans because we know that those are going to kind of happen, well, April at some point in time. We'll see when things start thawing out, but you definitely want to beat that. You want to get all your framing material on site before then, all your concrete trucks completed by then so that you don't have any hangups. So in my opinion, the best is either to get all that done before road bans hit or just start after so you don't have a big delay and create a big mess. So if that's you, if you're in those shoes, then uh, I guess get thinking about that and make sure that those plans are in place here right away. That being said, I wanted to talk today about, give an update on the state of construction and kind of what our market is looking like here in Saskatchewan and Saskatoon specifically. Unfortunately, I do not have a crystal ball, but it is a, I get asked it all the time, every week. Where are we going? Where are we looking? Um, How are things right now compared to where they were a year ago? What are they going to look like a year from now? What are they going to look like in the fall instead of now? And man, I wish I had that answer. (laughs) I so badly wish I had that answer and I knew for sure. But I thought I would go through a handful of things here in the next 20 minutes or so about things that are affecting the market, both locally and abroad, because everything that's happening in the world has an impact at home. And so just going through a handful of things that are having an impact now and are likely gonna have an impact moving forward, just to give you more things to think about, some food for thought, so that you're able to make a more informed decision on um, whether you build right away, whether you hold off until the fall, whether you hold off longer than you thought, maybe that means years. That's kind of what I'm here to try and do. I'm, I definitely don't want to make a decision for anybody, but the least I can do is at least give the information that I have on my hands so that uh, people can make decisions. So that being said, the first thing that I want to go through is labor and the realities of labor mainly around North America, um, because both in the U S and here in Canada, there are labor shortages and it is having an impact in two different areas, the first is labor shortages are creating havoc on pricing. So since COVID started, there's been labor shortages, and it seems to be worse in the U.S., but we have our own challenges here in uh, north of the border as well. So like I said, it really started with COVID, and COVID did a couple things. Number one, it took people out of the workforce. It either made people retire early, either they decided to do that on their own or it kind of forced them out the door, which automatically reduced the amount of people in the labor market, or it took people out of the workforce for health reasons, either health concerns that they personally had, maybe they were immune compromised and they weren't comfortable being in a work environment anymore, or maybe they had to stay home to take care of kids, i was fortunate enough not to have kids in school at this point throughout the last two years but people who didn't know this all too well that there was kids had to stay home because they were a close contact on the bus and then they'd go to school and there was someone in their class and then it would maybe be somebody on their gymnastics team like it would just be constant of kids having to stay home either for that reason or because the kids maybe were immune compromised. So for those reasons, there were parents being taken out of the workforce. Um, And then obviously there was just some people who who left the workforce because it was easy at that point in time, right? There was government benefits that were offsetting the income that they were making, so why not do that? I think those times are behind us. on both sides of the border, but that is really where it started. When COVID hit, there was a reduction of the workforce because of those few reasons. So you fast forward to today and we're definitely gaining jobs back. We're, we're definitely not at the shortage that we were, but there's still this trend um, away from lower paying inflexible jobs towards a demand for more flexibility and higher pay everybody always wants higher pay. So I don't think that's uncommon, but the one thing that COVID brought on that we didn't have in the past is the abundance of flexible working schedules and flexible working locations that we just didn't have before. So now there's just far more jobs available for people who can either work from home or they can work from home part-time and from the office part-time. They can, because they're working from home, maybe they can work, in the evenings after their kids went to bed, which means they can take care of them at home, which can possibly offset uh, childcare expenses, all those types of things. So because COVID gave that ability, now there's just this, um, I guess, move from more traditional jobs to those types of jobs. And and so that's taking workforce away from from some of those more, rigid jobs where you just can't allow the flexibility. I mean, think about a manufacturing plant, for example. Well, unless it's all done by robotics already, you need human bodies in those plants to perform tasks. So those types of uh, environments are being hit because they just can't offer the work from home option that other companies and, and other industries can. So those types of places are being hit. And so that in combination with the fact that people are retiring and that demand from a consumer standpoint is higher than I think it's ever been. You have this labor shortage with this higher demand and it's creating prices and the cost of materials to increase. So let's just use that manufacturing plant example. So now you have less, a a smaller labor tool, Pool, excuse me, you have a smaller labor pool to choose from. You have people demanding higher wages because they now sit in the driver's seat um, because demand is at an all time high. And as a manufacturer, you can't produce goods as fast as they're going out the door. So the only option that you really have is to increase prices to try and lower demand so that you can just play catch up. So that's how the labor shortage is impacting the construction industry is that um, from a material standpoint, material pricing is going up and that's one of the reasons. One of the reasons is labor shortage. The other thing that labor is impacting here locally is not necessarily price of labor. I haven't personally seen some like large increase or dramatic increase in the price of labor here in Saskatoon, but it is definitely affecting timelines. We... I mean, I've talked with a few people even recently about this that were trying to hire contractors just for like kind of odd jobs around their houses. And they were, one guy told me it took him uh, six weeks just to be able to get an electrician into his house to even look at the job, let alone come in and actually do it. It was a smaller job. He just wanted um, like a handful of pot lights installed and some switching. So it wasn't huge, but just to get somebody in to look at it, it took him six weeks. Um, and then they ended up coming a couple months later as they could just kind of fit them in. So people that are in those scenarios that are more like kind of one-off smaller jobs get put to the back burner. And even people like us, we use the same trades over and over and over again. Admittedly, it's getting difficult for us to hold timelines for a multitude of different reasons. Number one, all the trades are busy. They're swamped. They have, there's, they're trying to be in a million different places at once, and they're trying to hire staff, um, to keep up. And the labor pool here is small also. So for us, it's mainly affecting timelines. Um, if people are away, if they're sick, then that just backs up production altogether. And that can have a domino effect or a snowball effect. People still are going on vacation, taking time off. So all of those things are having impacts on timelines more so than costs so far. Um, here in Saskatoon. But that being said, I don't, I actually, I don't see that moving forward. I, if this demand continues and our area stays as busy as it does, it's only a matter of time before prices are impacted. And that's mainly because inflation continues to happen. And as inflation continues to happen, the people that are hit the hardest with with inflation are people on the lower income spectrum. So, as that's happening, those jobs are going to start paying more as people's pocketbooks start getting hit. And that's when we will see labor increases here in Saskatoon also. So I would say that's, that's probably the labor story it is here locally. It seems right now to be more um, timeline-based, but on a more North American scale, it is affecting material pricing. So the next thing is going to be interest rates. So if you're looking at housing, if you're looking at a any financing project of any kind, you likely know that there was an interest rate hike last week of a quarter of a percent. So it went, from, it went from a quarter of a percent to half a percent, which is honestly, it seems like a lot because it basically doubled. But in the grand scheme of things, honestly, lending is still basically free. I mean, if the... Bank of Canada's rate is now at half a percent. You can still get a mortgage for under 2%, which is still insanely low. But that does not mean that the interest rate hike is not going to have an effect on affordability in general. I mean, uh, a quarter of a percent hike on a $500,000 mortgage is basically 50 bucks a month. So in the grand scheme of things, Is that difference gonna change your mind whether you decide to go ahead with the build or not? I hope not. (laughs) I hope $50 a month is not gonna make or break your decision to build or not to build. And if that's the case, I urge you not to build, (laughs) okay? Um, But that doesn't mean that that's not going to leak into other areas of the economy. So not only is your mortgage gonna increase slightly, but the reality is you're not the only one who's getting hit with this increased cost. Every company out there who has operating lines, their operating line just got more expensive. So who do you think pays for that added cost? You do. We do. Um, The end user always pays for it in the end. That just gets passed on. So we have to think about that for everything. It's going to increase the cost of um, GM to manufacture vehicles. It's going to cost logistics companies more to buy new new vehicles. It's going to cost food producers more. It's going to cost Walmart more for all of their widgets that they sell and clothing companies. Every single person and company is going to get hit by this and that's all going to get passed on. So does it have a huge effect? No, but there if there is further hikes, which as long as inflation continues to s- spike like it is and it continues to be as high as it is, which I think in Canada we were at like five and a half percent in 2021, which is pretty large. And remember, that's the number where the Bank of Canada is making decisions on. It's it's countrywide. We in Saskatchewan, we were better off than that. We were only, I think, three point eight percent. So we're doing better than average. But the Bank of Canada doesn't look at Saskatchewan to make guidelines. They look at at all of Canada. So as long as that inflation continues, the Bank of Canada is going to continue increasing interest rates Reason being is the more expensive they can make things and they can make our life, the less money we are going to spend and that puts downward and it puts less pressure on the economy as a whole, which will allow supply chains to catch up and it will allow prices to normalize. And that's really the goal of monetary pricing, uh, sorry, of monetary policy is, uh, to kind of manage that inflationary. One of the goals anyway. So Interest rates have an effect. Are they having a big effect? No. Could they have a continuing continu- continuing, effect? Yes. So that brings us to just general inflation. So like I said, in 2021, Saskatchewan, we were at 3.8%. And this will affect local wages at some point in time. Typically, most often, it doesn't impact wages right away, right? Um, I know some companies, once that... CPI number once that consumer price index number comes out, which is really just a number that says, Hey, in your area, this is how much the cost of living went up. So there are companies who will use that index and just do automatic um, wage increases every year based on that. So if it went up 3.8%, everyone in the company gets a, a wage increase of 3.8%. And the, the idea is just to keep up with cost of living. Um, but a lot of companies don't do that either, right? Where it just kind of stays there until the hurt of the employees come is, is big enough and then they do an increase at that point in time. So it's only a matter of time as inflation continues that wages will be impacted, which will impact the cost of local um, local labor also. And even if you just think of and you use that 3.8% number. So let's just say 38 percent inflation okay well then your grocery bill probably just went up by 50 bucks a month is that a big deal probably not not on its own remember we already talked about the fact that your mortgage just went up 50 bucks so now we're to 100 um your gas bill based on what prices just did probably up about 150 bucks a month clothing you go to in this in the spring you go and get your kids some summer clothes and they probably cost an extra 50 bucks than they did last year um So all of these things add up, and for some people, will it matter? Probably not. Will it suck a little bit? Yeah. But for some people, a large amount of the population lives paycheck to paycheck. That's going to make a difference. They're going to have to make some decisions. They're either going to have to change their kind of lifestyle expectancy. Um, They're going to have to make more money to offset that. And I think it's probably a combination of both for the most part. But the point being is that I'm... As inflation increases and everybody's costs of living go up, wages have to go up with it in some form or fashion. Um, I know they typically don't match, but for the most part, they do go up, which is going to, over time, increase the cost of construction and housing. The other thing that has an impact is world events. And obviously, there's a massive world event going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. I am far from an expert on the global impacts that this war could have or will have. And I i mean, I know that there's lots out there that you can read that may or may not come to fruition, but the reality is is uncertainty always creates a little bit of volatility because everybody's kind of sitting on their, the edge of their seat a little bit. But I know what we do know is it's already dramatically increased the price of oil. Which is hitting all of our pocketbooks. Um, gas is already as expensive enough, and now we throw this in. And I think today it was almost a buck sixty a liter, is what I heard this morning. So that doesn't that not only affects us personally as we're driving around and taking kids to school and hockey and dance and all that. Traveling in the summer, if this extends out, then that's going to be higher gas bills to go to the lake and tow the trailer and all that. But it also impacts everybody around the world in terms of shipping costs, right? Well, now if you're sending goods from China to Florida, I guess you go to California, I suppose. But either way, if you're going across the ocean, imagine what the impact of fuel is on their cost. Imagine if you are shipping things um, by truck from the U.S. up to Canada, the added cost that is on freight there. There's already enough logistical issues and supply chain issues in the world today that now there's going to be added fuel costs also, which is just like something else to add to the bin. Again, on its own, is it a game changer? No. Does it is a little bit of a headache? Of course. It's just something else to add in that bucket that will likely have some added costs going forward until this whole thing gets sorted out. And honestly, even if it gets sorted out, do we really think that we're going to go back to buying Russian oil and that the markets are just going to go back to normal the minute that it fizzles out? Probably not. These sanctions are probably going to go years. And so it's as North America, we're probably going to need to rethink how we buy oil, how we, I mean, I mean, You guys know where I'm going with this, but we need to rethink it. And is that going to be a one month or a a two week process? No, it's going to be years. So all I'm saying is that there's uncertainty in the market around this war. Um, But oil right now, because it's fresh and it was fast, it's a perfect example um, of what uncertainty can cause. So um, I guess I think the last thing that I'll touch on is it kind of goes in the opposite direction of all these potential added costs. And it's the effect of what easing COVID restrictions could have. And again, it's one of those things where I wish I had a crystal ball, but COVID really changed people's behavior. People are now obviously working from home much more. People are sticking close to home dramatically more and not traveling. People are more cautious. They don't go out as much. They are not not going to restaurants near as often as they did. They're maybe taking lunches to, to the office instead of going out for lunch with colleagues. You know what I mean? Like it just changed behavior. And I'm really curious to see once these, now that the COVID restrictions have eased and they continue in other places of the world, how is that going to change behavior? Are we going to like automatically go back to how we were? Or are we never going back to where we were? Or what does a transition look like? Um, Like, will travel increase again here right away now that it's easier to travel and we don't need PCR tests anymore, we just need antigen, and then obviously eventually we're not going to need that either. Like, will travel automatically be back? Or are people, like, never going to travel like they did before or somewhere in between? What's the office dynamic going to be? There is obviously way more working from home, and there's some camps who say that, it's never going to go back to how it was. There's always going to be these work from home jobs and there's other camps that say that it's going to go back to exactly how it was, but I don't know. I think that it's going to be some combination, but how that office dynamic ends up playing out will actually have an impact on housing. One of the dramatic, not dramatic, one of the major um, driving forces behind housing demand recently, the last couple of years has been the fact that there has been more people working from home and they, as they had it, there was nowhere in their house to work from that was nice to work from. You know what I mean? Like there was either noisy kids, they were working at the kitchen table. So they had to clean up before they had to clean up after there was no flexibility. Um, they were constantly looking at their mess. So they wanted more space and like a dedicated place to work from. Well, if the office office dynamic kind of changes back to how it was, or at least trends that direction, does that demand exist anymore or at least does it exist like it does currently? And and how does that impact the market? Does that help ease demand so that it can help um, prices come back? And same with the travel thing. Like if people are automatically going to start traveling way more than they have over the last two years, and it's going to go back to kind of quote unquote normal, then that's dollars that are being spent in different industries now. So if those dollars are being spent outside of the construction industry, that means it's going to give some opportunity for manufacturers and supply chain and builders to kind of relax. And maybe that helps pricing come down. I don't know, but I'm curious to see how the easing of the restrictions, if and when, and how it does change behavior and how that impacts the market. So that being said, I would say that that's, I guess that's kind of the state of the construction industry right now, which ironically just has a bunch of overarching macroeconomic impacts. And that's kind of what's affecting it at the moment. So it's really labor shortages, which is creating materials uh, to increase in price. And it's, it's creating jobs to take longer locally because of demand Uh, interest rates are having an impact on, on affordability and cost of living, um, interest rates, sorry, interest rates and inflation kind of go hand in hand world events. The war is new, obviously it's just been a week or two at this point in time, but it's already having in, an impact and how that will impact things long-term over the next couple of years. Only God knows at this point in time, time will tell. And then the last question mark that I kind of have, um, is, the the easing of COVID restrictions and how that's going to change demand if, if it will at all. So I guess in conclusion would, would I build now? That's what some people are asking me, would I build now. And until I kind of really sat down and thought about this, I didn't have a great answer, but my answer now is yes, I would build now. And it really comes down to the fact that I see more long-term cost risks then I see short-term opportunities. Meaning, are there opportunities that prices might come down in the short term on a few line items? Sure, um, lumber is a perfect example. Lumber's climbing and it's it's increasing again. Is there opportunity that if you wait until fall that that you'll claw back some of those increases? Sure, that's a possibility. Um, but I see more risk the opposite direction. I see more risk of waiting and seeing higher costs because of, of labor that is now getting costs um, transferred down. I see more risk in further inflation where costs are going to get passed on. I see more risk in world events dragging on longer than we all hope and pray that they do. And then I just have this kind of uncertainty on, on the COVID side on how that will affect demand. And even if it does, will it offset the other risks? So I think my answer would be now there may need to be sacrifices made because the reality is, is that prices are higher than they were three years ago. Um, so there may need to be sacrifices in inclusions in house size in location, what have you. Right. But that is always the case. <laughs> I always tell people, I don't care if your budget's 400,000 or 4 million you're always gonna to have to make sacrifices. You're always gonna to have to compromise because the bigger the budget, uh, the bigger your eyeballs get. But at the end of the day, people always have to make cuts. So that's my answer. If I were to build what I build now, yes. That being said, that's gonna be all for this week. Um, next week, Caitlin's going to be back and we are going to be talking about our pricing process. So if you are interested in building or renovating in the near future, then that would be a good episode to link in. That's the beginning of our process. And we're going to, we're going to talk about, I guess it'd be the first, I don't know, 20 to 25% of what the build process looks like and walk you through what you can expect. So That being said, hopefully you took some things away from today and we will see you guys next week on the next one. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.